So I decide to sort of preach on something that might be of interest to you. It's always in some ways puzzled me. We don't normally do this. I never have done this in the ministry, but there are churches that on Christmas Eve night will have a church service. And it's normally a communion service, which you just went through this morning. And I've often wondered, what's the connection between the Lord's Supper and Christmas? Normally we think about the Lord's Supper in connection with Easter, with the Good Friday service. But what connection, why would a church have a communion service on Christmas Eve? What does that have to do with the birth of the Christ child? Because normally we focus Christian, I mean focus Christmas around such scenes as a manger or angels singing or tidings of great joy or shepherds in the field or wise men on camels. We don't associate anything about Christmas with the communion service. Because Christmas is about the birth of Christ and the Lord's Supper is about the death of Christ. So why do you have a communion service on Christmas Eve night? There is a similarity between the Lord's Supper and Christmas itself. I think the problem would be in the definition of the word Christmas. Now the theme of Christmas, as most of you probably think is, is the birth of a baby in the manger. Though that is true, that is not really the theme of Christmas. The theme of Christmas is the coming of God to earth in the form of a human man. Now, when you think of it in that light, you have a different meaning to Christmas. Christmas is not about the birth of a baby. Christmas is about God coming to earth to live among men. We sometimes contemplate the question, do we have other earths somewhere out in the universe where people like us dwell? I'm going to give you my opinion. Now, I have nothing to back this up with. I think we're it, folks. I don't think God made any other people on any other planet but Earth. I believe Earth was a special creation of God and man placed on this Earth was a special creation of God and I don't believe there are other people anywhere besides He. This is it. Now, when God came to earth, that's the story of Christmas, and took on human form, that's the story of the baby in the manger. Now, in Matthew 1.23, we really have the meaning of Christmas. Matthew 1.23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. I don't know if anybody refers to Jesus as Emmanuel, but that's what it says you call him, which really means interpreted, God is with us. God is with us. God has come to earth. But the baby in the manger is no longer here, is he? The boy that grew up into manhood is no longer here. Let's be honest about it. The Bible states that this man who came down to earth, this God who came to earth, is no longer here as he was then. 
something happened to him. He died upon the cross, then he was resurrected, and then he ascended back into heaven. So God is no longer with us on earth in a human body. He came once upon a time, but he's not that way now as far as we can see. The first Christmas has come, the first Christmas has gone. I want to throw out another question to you. Will there be a second Christmas? You heard about that? Will there be a second Christmas? That is, will God come down to earth again? Christmas is the time when you think about the link. He came once, will he come again? Well, let's see what the Bible says. Just one verse. Acts 1.11. Acts 1.11. Let's take verse 10 first. And while they, that is they being the disciples, while the disciples looked toward heaven, they saw Christ go up into heaven. And there were two men stood by them in white apparel. These undoubtedly were angels. And these angels said to the disciples, You men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The angels announced, of course, the second Christmas. He came once, but he went away. He is also coming again a second time. Now, when we think about Christmas, the theme really ought to be the Lord's coming rather than the birth of a baby and some shepherds and some wise men. It really ought to be the Lord's coming to this earth rather than the Lord's birth in Bethlehem. What you say is we're a people caught in the middle. He came, and he is coming, but in the meantime, we're waiting and contemplating. We're looking back to when he came, we're looking forward to when he comes, but we're sort of sitting right in the middle. What did it mean when he came the first time? What will it mean when he comes the second time? Why did he come the first time? Why will he come the second time? These are the things we really ought to think about, and if you want the answer, you find it in the Lord's Supper. Why did he come the first time? The Lord's Supper tells you that. Why is he going to come again? The Lord's Supper tells you that. You see, the Lord's Supper, sir, like we are, is caught in the middle. It's the connecting link between when he came and when he's coming. It's just like we are. Really, the Lord's Supper reminds us of these two comings of Christ and what Christ wanted to accomplish and wants to accomplish by his coming. We must look backwards and we must look forwards if we really look, in all honesty, at the Lord's Supper. A lot of folks just look at the Lord's Supper and they say, hmm, there's some hard crackers and a little bitty, little, 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 bitty, 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 bitty glass of juice. And that's all they see. 
Folks, you've missed the whole meaning of the Lord's Supper. And that can be easily done as we come and we start to get in the routine. It's just a habit we do and we look at it and we eat it and we drink what little areas of it and go back and sit down. But unless you have looked forward and looked backward, you've looked at the wrong thing. You've just looked at the elements of the Lord's Supper. Now look at 1 Corinthians 11.26. It tells you what you're supposed to look at. 1 Corinthians 11.26. Paul here is telling the Corinthian church how they ought to have the Lord's Supper. They were doing it wrong. And so he was trying to give them some wisdom, some instructions, some guidance. And so in this verse, 26, he says, For as often as you eat this bread, and as often as you drink the cup, you do show the Lord's death, that's looking backward, till he comes, that's looking forward. You look two directions. You look back at the cross, and you look forward to the clouds, as the angel said, he'll come in the clouds. As you look backwards, you have a Savior who was born. As you look forward, you have a King who is coming. As you look back, you have a baby crowned with thorns. As you look forward, you have a King crowned with glory. And I believe you need to have both looks. He needs to be looked at as our Savior. He needs to be looked at as our King. Both looks are important. As you look at the elements, you think about the crucified body of Christ. But as you look forward, you see the glorified body of Christ. The resurrected body of Christ. It will one day return in the clouds above. One of the real popular hymns of the Christmas season is Joy to the World. Have you ever really paid any attention to the words? It has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus. Not one thing. You ever know about that? It does not take a backward look at all. It takes a forward look. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Not baby in a manger, her king. Let every heart prepare him room in heaven and nature sing. In heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, for as the curse is found, he rules the world with truth and grace. That's not looking backwards, that's looking forward. And makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Joy to the world is a forward look. At Christmas time, somebody got it right. Now, Matthew 1.21. Matthew 1.21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall save his people from their sins. 
As you look at this verse, it says there is reason for you to have joy. What did the angel say to the shepherds? They will have joy if they go and find the Lord who has come. Each time Christ comes, his purpose is to bring to earth joy. Think about that. The one thing the world wants, and I don't believe has ever really been able to found, and has not been bottled or packaged or boxed, is joy. Now, a lot of people claim they have some happiness, but they don't have joy. The reason we don't have joy is because there's sin in the world. And every time God comes to man, he comes to bring man joy. In the first place, there is personal joy. In the second place, there will be national, worldwide joy. When Jesus comes again, he will remove the sin problem from the world. You won't have to buy any more locks. You won't have to worry about the things today that make life so miserable. A disease. Criminals. He'll eliminate the problem of sin from the world. As in the past, he can eliminate the problem of sin in your life. At the first coming, there was the gift of pardon. I'll say this, at each time God comes, he wants to give you something. I like giving God. I'll tell you that, I like anybody that wants to give something. He's a giving God, and the first time he came, he said, I come to give you pardon. What did the verse say? She shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. What's he going to give the sinner? Pardon. Is that all? No, no. That's where a lot of people make a mistake. No, he wants to give them more than pardon. He wants to give them a new life. He wants to give them a new life. And at the Lord's next coming, he's going to finalize and complete that new life to the point that it'll be perfect. But now, he says, I'll give you pardon and I'll begin to work in you a new life. When I come again, I'll finish the work. Have you ever started building something that's, well, I sure will be glad when I get it finished. Well, that's the situation today we find ourselves in. God begins a new work in us, and yet he must come to finish it. As you look at the first coming in the manger, and you look at the second coming in the clouds, the one basic thing I see that Christmas says God wants man to have is L-I-F-E, life. And the people say, well, that's not what the Lord's Supper says. The Lord's Supper says, talks about death. That's true. It talks about the Lord's death. It talks about our life. He died that we might live. And he now lives that we may live the abundant life. I really believe the total abundant life is coming, although now we have a foretaste. Look at John 10.10. 10. John 10.10. 10. 
You all know the Christmas wish that God has for the earth and for mankind. Jesus said, I have come. Now listen, the reason he came the first time is the same reason he'll come the second time. I have come. Why, Jesus, did you come? I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I'll close with this thought. What kind of life is the abundant life? We talked about this last Sunday morning. It's the life of God. It's the life of God's righteousness. It's living the same kind of life that God has forever lived. And God says there is joy in that life. Christ said to his disciples, I want you to have my joy. What is the joy of God? What is the joy of Christmas? What is the joy of the coming of the Lord the first time? What is the joy of the Lord's coming the second time? It's the righteous life of God. Being provided for man. That man might enjoy the same joy God has himself enjoyed all his eternity. It's God's life. And on this Christmas day, God says, look back and you find there, I want you to have abundant life. There's where joy is. I want you to look ahead because I'm coming to finish the work of giving you this kind of abundant life. As you look at the Lord's Supper, we see how the life was made available through God, came to earth, got on the cross, gone back to heaven, produces within us a new birth where the life is planted and is someday going to come back for us and finish the work and make us 100% like him in our moral character. And God says, that's what it means at Christmas. I have come to give man life and having life, he has joy. That's what the Lord's Supper tells us. There is life in Christ and the life that Christ gives is a life that brings joy. How many people this Christmas will look for joy in a bottle or in a party or in a present and have their morning headaches December the 26th and there won't be joy. But Christians, we have something because he came and he's coming that God says is the best thing he himself has, and that's his own personal life. Father, we're thankful this day that you are willing to share with us your life, your will, your commands, your personality, your character, your way. We're thankful this day that we are given the right to expect the joy that you yourself have because you have this kind of life operating in heaven. We're thankful now as we approach the Christmas season and look back that you came and we're looking forward to anticipation that you'll come again to finish the work that you started. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.